Hello and welcome to another episode of Oh So Curious. And, and today we're going to be talking about, well, a lot of Marvel and DC stuff. Uh, but we're going to kick off the show by talking about Wonka, which has basically started this, you know, long road that Warner Brothers has of collecting a whole lot of money at the box office because no other studio seems to want to put any movies out this Christmas. So Warner Brothers decided we're just going to program the heck out of December. So he starts with Wonka, then we get into Aquaman, there's the color purple. We're going to go through all of those and so much more. Of course, there's the Jonathan Major story. That was a big story that came out today. We're going to talk about the ramifications of that. Where do we go from here? But, you know, where does Jonathan Majors go from here? Where does Marvel, where do Disney go from here? We're going to go through all of those details. And then we're also going to be talking about just some, you know, more news from the world of the DCU, the world that hasn't really even started or kicked off yet. But James Gunn seems to end up, you know, making headlines each and every day. And mostly just answering fan questions and clarifying details and, you know, uh, shooting down any rumors that are unsubstantiated. Sorry, I struggle with that word. But uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about all of those things. And before we get into all those things, I want to introduce my co-host on the show today. Of course, we have Angelina on for the right. So how are you doing today? Hi, guys. I'm good. I'm good. It is gearing into Christmas. It is alight with holiday spirit here in Los Angeles. And what I mean to say by that is that I, I couldn't hear what you Oh, you really couldn't hear that? Oh my god, so oh, funny. I I I said everyone leaves so the traffic gets better. That's like the secret with LA December. Everyone leaves and then it doesn't take 800 years to get places. That's fair. That's actually a that's an underrated tip because that yes. means if you want to if you want to like make it out to LA and you want to go like explore the city it's not going to be snowing this time of year, but you're going to have a lot less traffic to deal with. So it's a good, yes. good tip. December is secretly the year or the month to visit. Yeah. And over where I am right now, there's like a rainstorm. Like this is the second rainstorm that we've gotten in like the last week. So is it snowing? Like, no, no, no. It's rain, just raining, raining, oh. windy. Yeah, is it I'm cold like, enough to rain or snow? It, it's, it's one of those things where it's right on the edge like 33, mm. 34 degrees. So it doesn't get cold enough, but it's like cold rain. So it's like, I don't like it. I'm like, you know, climate change. Come on. Um, I know. I, we haven't had a white Christmas like out here in like a good three, four years. Mm. And the one, I think out of those years, maybe there was one year where we had a little bit of snow, but then like the day of Christmas, like it was rain and they just melted away, whatever. So it was, it wasn't really a white Christmas anyway. I digress. I, I guess maybe I need to like move further north to to experience that on a more regular to basis. The north now. Pole. Yeah. Well, yeah. Canada. Arctic kind of melts at times of year now, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe yeah, Canada. That's that is a that is. Tell us where we should go, you guys. Where do we go find snow in the U.S.? Is that even possible anymore? Do we just need to move to Canada? Should we all just hop oh, on the Hallmark well, movie train? The last storm that we got a week ago, there was. There were like there was like a whole band of snow that if you lived in upstate New York or if you lived um and even the northwestern parts of Connecticut, you would get some snow. But where I am, you just got rain. So mm. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Hope hopefully like it will, you know, we will get cold enough and get a few snow storms. I, I, okay, now I feel guilty for like wanting snowstorms because like people usually are like, no, no, thank you. But anyway, whatever. So um, talking about Wonka. You yeah, didn't go see I, it this week. 
I wanted to so Wonka is a movie that we have been talking about on this channel for a, a it feels like a few weeks now because yeah we literally like you you talk about Wonka and this movie has been on the horizon seems like forever because I think the first time I heard about it was two three years ago then we started getting like the behind the scenes photos mm -hmm. and then we were like oh this is a prequel and then the trailers come up and, and and of course everybody like you know draws a comparison like this is the third time you've seen a live action version of Willy Wonka how does it compare to the other two iterations and I think like each iteration is uniquely different um mm. enough certainly to stand apart you went to see the movie Timothy Chalamet yeah. and, and Wonka uh, what did you think about the film you know, it's so hard, right? Because originally when you think about Wonka, Willy Wonka, you think of the original book and the original 80s movie. Um, and I think Johnny Depp did a really good job of reimagining this character. I will... You mean like will... No, no, no. I, I mean the second, like the last version. Oh, okay. Yeah, come on, Dan. Um, oh, no, I thought you were talking. Never mind. Yeah. No, and so whenever someone comes up with a new Willy Wonka story, it really has to be incredible. And Timothy Chalamet was, God, he had such big shoes to fill. And, like, I will give this movie, like, a B plus. It there were times where it drew you into the fantastical, right? But the world of Willy Wonka has to be so fantastical, so magical, so out of the box. So like, and obviously Willy Wonka is always sort of like a little tilted as a character. Like he's very strange. It's like his whole gimmick, right? He's very eccentric. And Timothy Chalamet is a, almost just like a little too normal to play him. Does that make sense? Like, he's just too normal. He's not, like, character no, actor enough. I, I get it, because, like, you look at Gene Wilder, you look at what Johnny... Do like, don't, yeah. like, I think the word you were looking for maybe was, like, jilted, maybe? Like, because they're, they're not no, no, no. quite, like... Jilted has, like, a trauma. negative connotation. So well, that's not what I was looking for at all. Like, okay. because... Their characters, yes. I mean, obviously, a, but a young Willy Wonka wouldn't have that, so that's not right. I mean, like the ones that the other two, because like they were playing like this, these characters who had some trauma that they were clearly like working hiding through. under the surface. But no, working. I truly mean like Willy yeah. Wonka is like weird. Like he has like all of these little different like, you know what I mean? Like his whole even creation of his factory and everything is strange he's like a strange dude and in the best way right like he's like that's just who he is as a character and timothy chalamet tried to lean into it and create this sort of like cute innocent naive version of willy wonka and some of his little like character additions were just too much but I do have to give this movie, like, the overall, I don't know if I've ever seen a prequel so well done to my personal belief because it fully developed its own storyline. It fully developed a true, like, 
origin story for the character. And then it tied in almost seamlessly to what we would go on to see later in the other movies, right? When Willy Wonka is much older. So it truly does, like, it creates this whole world. It sort of ties back into the original, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was also incredible. Just you could see it in the... um when he's like small spoiler but at the end he's like imagining up his chocolate factory and it you see all of the additions like the visual additions of what you remember seeing in the first and even i believe in johnny depp's like willy wonka um so that is kind of incredible and i was really truly just impressed by that however the script in places were just like it was overkill like a lot of the comedy the physical comedy was already so good but then they would have you ever had someone who like makes a joke with like physical humor and then they have to explain it to you which takes away from the joke do you know what i'm referring to oh your sound is out dan Oh, it's back now. Yeah, sorry, oh, I muted hey. myself. <laughs> uh, I had to cough. So like, oh, no. um, but no, I definitely have had that experience. It completely ruins the joke, and it's it like when you're watching joke. a movie. I can imagine it'll take you out of the experience, right? Well, it's just like so. Small spoiler alert: there is this one main joke that one of the antagonists gags every time he hears the word "poor." And it's the first time you see it. It's kind of funny because like he he's really good at the physical humor of it. But then he goes on to, in the script, explain why he's gagging, even though it's so obvious. And then they repeat the joke like three more times. So it's not funny anymore. It's just like, are you, it feels like a six-year-old trying to like deliver a joke. It's really weird. And I just don't understand why the writers or even the director, like, or even the editor, like, I don't know why all along this way, right? Because these jokes have to get through so much writing, revisions, writing, filming, editing. I, I would think like it, the joke clearly doesn't land, like take it out in the editing room. And that happened with like several jokes. So it was really hard for me to get into the movie. I want to say for the first like 30 minutes, it's really slow. Timothy Chalamet's character, like I feel like he gets more into the character as you go. And then it sort of draws you in. Like it finally around like the half hour to an hour mark sort of pulls you into this fantastical world and sort of slowly starts to suspend belief. But it really doesn't happen until, again, small spoiler. They're just like all the spoilers. It really doesn't happen for me until he's leaving the zoo with um, Noodles, is one of the characters' names. And they have this whole dance song choreography. They are like being lifted in the air by this like huge tower of balloons. Like that's the first time that I'm able to suspend my belief. Like, and just enjoy the world that they had created. And I I truly believe that the reason that the original Charlie and the, 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was so phenomenal is that it forces you to suspend your disbelief, like your disbelief so early on in the movie and just be so entranced with this fantastical world that is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And so it was so sad to me that it's like, again, for a movie that has been workshopped, filmed, it's been, I I mean, I think for the majority, this movie was finished like at least a year or two ago. Like they had announced it years ago. They were showing previews and like small clips two years ago. So it had to have been filmed pretty early on or at least enough of it was being filmed. And maybe that was also the sort of like disconnect, you know, when you're filming and you have to hop in and out of a character while you're filming other things. It just, it made me sad because it it could have been so perfect. And somehow they just missed the mark. So I have to give it like a B plus because there are parts of it that are so heartwarming and so incredible and so funny and tie in so well to this, world that we have seen and known I mean I grew up with the Charlie and Chocolate Factory I literally remember my teachers like turning it on during school when they didn't feel like teaching or like we the class had done really well or something and so we got to watch that movie all day so for such a childhood staple I do give it like a b plus because I'm not like sad that it was so poorly done it just it wasn't perfect and those were the kind of things like it just seems like I just need to have I want to have like a sit down with the director and be like why like why did we not cut that out in the editing room you know what I mean I just that's what I want yeah and and you're not the first person gonna say that it's almost like I think it maybe starts with Timothy Chalamet just maybe playing a version of Wonka that people are not used to seeing Mm -hmm. and it just and that right off the bat kind of gives you like a different feeling than what you would get from a Wonka movie. You haven't had two others before. And then everything else is sort of, like you said, like there's a lot of good things in here. It does kind of set up the world because uh, Mags uh, re- reviewed this movie too, because I talked to her. She watched it when it, it came out. I think like she went and saw it like a week ago because like they released this like a whole week ahead of time in a yeah, lot of international markets and made a good amount of money. And what Max said was basically kind of similar. She was like, "This while this movie basically brings you right into the point where you could do a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from here mm-hmm. on, it does, it, it's it's a, a matter of like maybe expectation versus reality because what this movie is going for is a world that we never have associated, like, or maybe the version of Wonka we have never quite associated mm-hmm. with that Wonka. He's not quite fully realized. And like you said, maybe maybe Timothy Chalamet, I mean, we will find out if they do a sequel, if this movie does well enough financially. I certainly, I think critics are liking it enough. It's mm-hmm. It's got like, and you gave it what, a B plus or B minus? Yeah, I didn't give That's it like 84%. a number rating. Yeah, it was like, sounds about right. Kind of, yeah, it sounds about right. Like 84% Rotten Tomatoes is just about if you were to give it a letter grade. So it is a little off the mark. And whether that's mm-hmm. to do with his casting, whether Timothy Chalamet is the right person for the role, or whether it has to do with just maybe how they directed it, because the director of this movie has directed like the Paddington movies, which people swear by. And like, yeah. if they were to make a third <laughs> Paddington movie, that might be the greatest movie, tri- like film trilogy of all time. What if like, I literally... just redo the joke and every time you see Paddington, I throw up? 
<laughs> I don't hate it that much, but I just never understood the hype over Paddington. I've never seen it myself all the way. Like I've seen parts of it. I've seen I've seen the yeah. trailers for both of them. So I don't. I mean, I personally, I'm just going by what like it seems like everybody yeah. like maybe that's there's Loves an inside them. joke in there that right. I'm missing. Um, but like the audience score for this is currently when we're recording this sitting at 91 percent, and it's got over a thousand people who have reviewed it. And of course, the critic score I mentioned earlier, it's 84%. And now that number is coming from like 240 odd reviews. When we looked at it a week ago, like talking to Mags about it, it was sitting at 84% with only around Mm -hmm. 50 reviews. So that number has held. So it looks like the vast majority of critics like it. And then the audiences like it. I didn't actually look at the the top critic score, which is like a subsection. So Mm -hmm. I just pull it up now. So it kind of takes the... I guess the best of the best critics and says, what do they think? And their score is 76%. And there's only around 63 of those. But like, if you add them all the critics, there's like 249 and the score goes up to 84. So there's obviously, it seems like if you go by what the really, I guess the top tier critics think it's, it's not as good as maybe the, the majority. Having said that, I did want to mention briefly financially, this movie, like I said, started off at 30 odd million dollars internationally it picked up another 39 million in its domestic uh, US and Canada debut. So it's well on its way. It's coming out at a time where we are in the Christmas season, the holiday season is here, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah, or you just sell, you know, you just celebrate the holiday season in your own way. Of course, there's New Year's Eve coming up. And there's not a lot of movies usually coming out in January, or even the early parts of February. So this movie will have the runway to make plenty of money. So my question for you would be, do you think this movie is A, good enough? And then based on the numbers we're already seeing it do at the box office, plus you take into account the audience and the critics ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, do you think this movie ha- will have the legs to make enough money for them to say, Timothy Chalamet, come back in. You're doing the Dune movies with us. We want you to do another Wonka film. Let's do Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory with him. Do you think that's going to happen? Um. Yeah, I do think I do think that it will. I mean, this is going to be one of the only really truly because the movie's good, right? It's not great, but it's good and it's going to be one of the only good family-friendly options for Christmas. I mean, I know so many families that will always go together on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve to the movie theater and this is going to be one of the only main options for younger audiences which gives it a huge leg up i mean obviously we have aquaman coming out this week which they're releasing like a week early i think probably in hopes of they actually they moved it by a couple of days it was supposed to come out on wednesday and they moved it to friday because they wanted to give maybe wonka like a full week and then the other thing is they've got the color purple coming out like on christmas day so only like three days later but even when you look at those three movies they're very different Yeah, I mean, so different and truly like you have to think about how many families are going to go see this movie. And it's one of the only musicals that has come out in the last year. I want to say it's like what, maybe one or two musicals that has come out in the last year. Am I for, has it been two years since the West Side Story remake came? I think it's been two years. Oh my God, I think it's been longer. Oh, wow. Yeah. The last just, musical like, I remember time. seeing was um Annie. Annie? Did I see Annie? No, Matilda. I went and saw Matilda. Do you, are you talking about while. the one on Netflix? The one with 
No. Emma Thompson in it? When we... We're talking about... Yeah, we reviewed Matilda. Yeah, that was like over a year ago. Damn. Um, Well, I definitely think... I think there was at least one other musical this year. I'm trying to remember. I don't... Yeah, I just can't. I can't think about it. But with that being said, I think this movie is unique enough. It has... It's like enough family friendly. It's easy. It's light. It's not a superhero movie. And the color purple is not easy, like... Well, that is also a musical, because the the color purple, the original movie was based on the book, then Mm -hmm. they made a stage play. This color purple is based more on the stage play than it is based on on the book. So you're getting definitely a musical, like, it's Mm going to be a musical film, um, I suppose. Um, And it's got an all-star cast, but yeah, it's 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 also another good choice for the holiday season. But then, like you said, they're not necessarily two movies that are going to attract the same exact. Uh, there's overlap, yeah, but not exactly the same audience. There's also migration, yeah. which is like the animated family movie out right now from Illumination mm-hmm. and Universal. So that's something if you want to go watch an animated movie, you can go watch that. But but again, if you want to watch something like this, like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there's nothing quite like that out right now. Even Aquaman, it looks like. It's going to be dealing with some more mature uh, themes with, I don't know, like people dying and stuff, where it doesn't seem like that's happening in this movie. So um, all in all, I mean, this movie, when you look at the box office numbers, it's already got 150 mm-hmm. million plus in his worldwide box office. So clearly the, the, you know, the release strategy that Warner Brothers has here, where they're staggered it between international markets, domestic markets. And I think there may still be a few markets that hasn't opened in. It's already got, you know, a good amount of money that's picked up and it's going to have another four or five weeks to keep doing, you know, whatever its potential is ultimately. And if the word of mouth holds up based on the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, and then even if the, the critic scores hold up, it's it's a good time of year to make money. I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying this is going to be a billion dollar movie, most definitely not going to be a billion dollar movie. But if I was a betting man, I would probably think this movie has the potential to cross 300 million and if it get gets past 400 million by like the second week of January, then I think you're in the green. I think that's enough for them to green light a sequel. Yeah. Um, because at that point it's made its money and, and, you know, then, then some. So, so guys, let us know in the comments below. What do you think about Wonka? Did you go see it? Of course, we, we have got multiple reviews now on the channel about it. You can read, read our reviews. You can listen to our reviews. You can watch our reviews. Tell us what you thought about it. Did you like Timothy Chalamet in this role? Or do you feel like he's maybe not the right fit? Are you somebody who's going to go watch it a second time? You're going to bring your family with you? Or did you just skip it entirely? Let us know in the comments below. And of course, like and subscribe for more content like this. We cover movies each and every week on the ch- on the show and on the channel. So keep coming back here for more movie reviews like that. We, we just got some news from James Gunn. And it's not like he was trying to make news. It's just he has a habit of like, you know, making news without, without trying, I suppose. So as he has been doing since he signed on for the role of the co-CEO at DC Studios, he has basically started to shoot down on a regular basis, on threads, on Twitter, and on the social media that that he's on. He sees a rumor, something that's unsubstantiated, and that could potentially, you know, in his words, like cause somebody like Palm Clementif to like be asked about like a role that she's not been cast in, but be pestered by journalists at every press event she goes to. He's like, you know what? I'd rather just shoot that rumor down and get it out the way. And which is something very different from what we have seen in past DC regimes where they would just let things kind of 
you know, hang. And then all of a sudden we had like five different Batman movies in development, supposedly, and nobody was telling you, you know, to the contrary. So in this case, you know, he was asked, he was asked, look, what's going on with this, you know, Arkham series and, and um, which was Matt Reeves has been working on it, or as we have, you know, heard in the past. And most people sort of naturally assume, given that Matt Reeves directed The Batman, which was a tremendous success, and that movie became, I think, DC's probably most successful, you know, Batman movie since the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, because Ben Affleck hasn't gotten his solo movie, it doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. But the Batman became a movie that everybody loved. It became a movie that everybody is looking forward to the sequel. And that sequel is on its way. Matt Reeves is working on the sequel now. He's working on the script. He's also been working on executive producing the Penguin series, which might be coming out in 2024. It may get pushed to 2025. But now we are hearing that he is also working on a third project. And while this isn't necessarily news, the Arkham show has been you know, supposedly in development for a while. The news is that James Gunn, in response to that question, what's going on with the Arkham series, he said that that Arkham series is in development and it's very much part of the new DCU. It's not mm-hmm. part of the Batman universe, it's part of the new DCU. So there was a little bit of confusion initially. People were like, wait, what? Because a lot of people assume that Matt Reeves is working on like the Penguin and the Batman and the Batman Part 2. Why would he be working on something that is Batman related, but not part of his, you know, separate Elseworlds universe? So Angelina, I wanted to ask you and get yeah. your take on this. James Gunn obviously has at this point clarified and, you know, if there's anybody who you can get official word from, he's the man, he's the man in charge. So he says that this new Arkham Batman TV series is going to be part of the DCU. A DCU that hasn't taken off the ground yet, a DCU where we don't know who plays Batman or Robin or anybody in the world of Batman, yeah. you know, in the, in the little corner of Gotham City that is a part of the larger DCU. And yet we're, you know, and we now know that there's already a TV series in development. And it's because... James Gunn says that Matt Reeves is a great storyteller. We love him as a director. So he's going to be working on stories both in his universe and in, in the DCU. So what do you think about this? And do you think this has the potential to confuse people? Um, or, or do you think this has a potential to be a great show? Like, what, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I think it'll be nice to sort of see some familiar comic book characters in the series. I don't necessarily know if that's going to confuse people. I think people just sort of wrote Matt Reeves off as like an Elseworlds writer. The fact that James Gunn is bringing him into the fold and just like sort of welcoming in that way is really promising that we're going to be seeing many a project from him that is related to the DCU in the upcoming future. And I don't know, I'm excited about it. I'm sure a lot of people are excited about it. I feel like the Batman was one of the best Batman's I'd seen in a long time so I'm excited to see Matt Reeves voice come out and although you know the Batman is not a part of the DCU I think that it is promising enough and it clearly did well enough to impress James Gunn and and Warner Brothers enough to just be like hey wanna like so. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Like, look, it logistic. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. You've got somebody. You've got this really talented, creative person who's already in your stable. He's working on 
one of your most profitable, most well-respected and, you know, received franchises that, you know, I keep, I always say this, DC is the house that Batman built and it's the house that Batman lives in is the house that Batman owns because literally the word, the, the acronym DC stands for detective comics. So DC mm -hmm. comics is detective comics, comics, and that's the comic series that Batman, you know, it comes from. So over the years, there's clearly been enough appetite for there to be plenty of Batman projects to be running concurrently in different continuities mm -hmm. without people getting confused or lost. People like the flavors that you get, whether it's Ben Affleck's Batman, Christian Bale's Batman, Robert Pattinson's Batman, whoever's going to be the DCU Batman. And and the only thing that I think, you know, now kind of leaves me a little hesitant is I think I was personally, and I'm sure a lot of people out there were looking forward to seeing an Arkham series set in the Batman universe that Matt Reeves has created, mm -hmm. because you might get to see, you know, the world of Arkham that they introduced in the first movie with, we know the Joker's already in there, incarcerated already, now the Riddler is in there, who knows who, who what other, you know, rogues gallery uh, character from the world of Batman is already in there. And and it's a dark, gritty world that I think a lot of people connected to, to the tune of like 700 odd million dollars. So, and, and of course, we're also getting the Penguin TV series that's already set in that world coming out very soon. So people were excited to kind of like see this develop. Yeah. And now you kind of like are at a position where we don't know who any of the characters in this world of the DC Batman are yet. Uh, we don't know who the characters are. We don't know who the actors playing the characters are. So you end up in a situation where I think it just leaves you with a whole lot of nothing other than the fact that Bat Treats is working on it. We really don't know what mm -hmm. it's going to be about because there was another part of the story that I wanted to briefly touch upon with, and just to kind of contrast like versus like where this Arkham series is now in terms of what mm -hmm. people know. While this Arkham, where this Arkham series initially sort of came from was people were speculating that in addition to the Penguin show, Bat Treats has been developing a GCPD show a Gotham City Police Department show, sort mm -hmm. of like a procedural-esque sort of a show that served as like a prequel to the first The Batman film that came out a couple of years ago, where essentially it was going to be taking place at a time where Robert Pattinson's Batman is like year one, like whereas The Batman takes place in sort of like year two of his time as Batman, this, this would be like a year before that. So he's just come into the fore, the city is still way more of a mess. What does GCPD, this corrupt you know police department, look like? And then that show seeming it's it felt like in the like we were getting rumors that it sort of got turned into the Arkham show. But mm. now in this article they mentioned that it looks like Matt Reeves is, has restarted development on that GCPD show set in the world of the Batman. So if you're looking for a silver lining in all this, I suppose the silver lining is that while the Arkham show may be, you know, it's set in the DCU, that GCPD show is back on the table. And it looks like that's going to be still part of the, the, the Batman universe. So we're still going to get a sequel to the Batman. We're going to get the Penguin show and we're going to get potentially a GCPD show. Plus who, are, who knows what other, you know, series they spin off from the sequel of, of the Batman. So there's still plenty to come in the world of Batman. And I think that excites me because like I said, um, that movie is probably, I think a lot of people look at the Batman and say, that's the best Batman anything since the Dark Knight. And the Dark Knight is like looked at as you know the golden yeah. standard of the comic book genre. So, so guys, I want to ask you. Let us know in the comments. This is obviously a you know a wide ranging story. James Gunn constantly addresses rumors and and shoots down anything that's you know not true. 
And by the same token, he, you know, confirms or gives us new details, like the fact that Matt Reeves is not just working on projects in the Batman universe, the Elseworlds story, but it's, he's also working in the DCU now, a DCU where he's already got pretty good company, you know, including, of course, Andy Muschietti directing the new Batman movie. He's going to be working on that. Uh, we, have, we have already got a director um, who's, I think the director of Logan is going to be directing the Swamp Thing movie, like, what else could you ask for? So let us know in the comments what you think about Matt Reeves' Arkham series being set in the DCU, and do you think that's something you're going to be looking forward to now even more, or maybe a little bit less, because it's not part of the universe that the Batman is a part of. So uh, keep coming back for more content like this each and every day. We are here on DC Daily talking about all things DC, including Aquaman and, and in all the upcoming projects of Joker, Folia, and so on and, and so forth. So Today the news broke. This was something that was sort of expected. People had, you know, were they were expecting a verdict to come down this week in the Jonathan Majors trial. Jonathan Majors, of course, has been playing Kang in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's the next big bad. He's the current big bad after Thanos. And and as such, he's had a lot riding on his shoulders because he is the person who's sort of hit the, the, the through line for this entire phases four through five through six all the way to, you know, Avengers uh, Secret Wars. So this um, sexual harassment and uh, trial that he was on, after, I think, lengthy, you know, weeks-long uh, trial, we, we got a verdict from, uh, let me just make sure I get this right, the verdict was from a six-person jury in New York City where this trial was happening. And as part of that trial, there were four charges brought against Jonathan Majors, of the four, the, the two of the most serious charges he got acquitted on, but then two of the other charges, which nonetheless were still fairly serious. You look at you know the nature of the charges and you look at some of the evidence that was presented in the weeks prior, he got convicted and you know basically a guilty verdict on two of those four charges. Now I don't we don't know yet exactly what he's gonna do, whether he's gonna serve jail time or community service, whatever the case might be, but Shortly after that happened, of course, there was a just a snowball effect of all this news coming out that I think a lot of it was, you know, people were like the like Disney Marvel, they were prepared to make this, they had made this decision. It was like if if he gets if he gets a guilty verdict, we're gonna do this. If he gets acquitted, we're gonna do that. And he had already been dropped by his representation for the most part, but WME dropped him right after he got this verdict. And then Disney and Marvel made the very swift decision of saying, we have your parting ways with Jonathan Majors and basically fired him off of the MCU and playing Kang. So, so Angelina, I wanted to ask you, like, where, like, we'll start with just John, the future of Jonathan Majors briefly, and then we'll get into the Marvel side of the story. For something like this to happen so publicly, for somebody who was like a rising star, like he was, you know, becoming an A-lister and and doing big movie after big movie after big movie. Where do you think he goes from here? Like, what what happens with his career? He even had a movie that just got picked up by Searchlight at Sundance, and and that movie got taken off the release schedule by Disney in October. Who knows when that's going to be back on the schedule? What do you think is going to happen? Where where does he go? And then we can kind of dive into the Marvel side of the top picture as well. I mean, quite frankly, like, I don't know if it matters where he goes because he's done. You know what I mean? Like, it's when something like this so publicly happens and 
you know, no studios are going to touch him for a long time. And maybe, maybe he'll pull a Mel Gibson and try to make a comeback in 10 years, but it's going to take that amount of time. I mean, you have to think about what happened to Amber Heard and previous to that, what happened to, God, I see his face and yet I cannot remember his name. Um, No, not Johnny Depp. Well, that was, that got wrapped up in Amber Heard. Oh, ew, Kevin Spacey. No, I was thinking about um, Army Hammer, Army Hammer. Everything in these sort of situations, obviously Kevin Spacey's situation was awful. Like years and years and years and years and years of multiple like abuse victims. I'm sort of talking about like similar situations in which like one or two people have sort of come forward I mean, they're done. You know what I mean? I He's an abuser. He's been convicted. I don't want to see him in any of my superhero movies. Unless he's getting beat up. You know what I mean? Like, that's just... Yeah, that's fair. So he's that's done. Fair. And yeah, you, yeah. you, you know, once... You also have to think about the aftermath of getting dropped by a big studio. Nobody is going to want to take a chance on him for a very long time. And he says he wants to... Uh, clear his name and you know he's gonna follow he's he's gonna take the legal steps to try to redeem himself but uh, I mean it just seems like he was guilty and so he was found guilty you know what I mean like yeah yeah I mean and some of the some of the text messages that were presented in the trial like were pretty damning um, and it doesn't paint him in a good picture whatsoever so yeah, I mean, the magazine Dreams is the name of the movie that I was mentioning earlier that Searchlight picked up at Sundance, and then Disney just took it off the release schedule in October, not knowing what to do with it. And at this point, I mean, it was getting early Oscar buzz, apparently, but it, they may have to just shelve that thing and not like, or, or they're going to shop it with somebody or dump it on Hulu or something like that. We don't know yet. Certainly, a lot of projects that he was set to be a part of, he has been dropped from. And of mm-hmm. course, that includes the MCU. So let's talk about where do we go from here in the MCU? Because I'm very interested in, in, in trying to figure out now what did they do with the Kang character? Because we have been talking about this for weeks and months at this point on the show covering the MCU. Like there's clearly something not right with, with that universe. It's, it's still mm-hmm. the biggest movie franchise of all time. It's still the one movie franchise that's guaranteed to make more money than probably any other film at the box. Like even the Marvels, that didn't do all that well did better than a lot of other movies that came out around the same time you know yeah. so it's still a franchise that has the drawing power but it's not firing on all cylinders it's not quite what it was when thanos was like the big bad they were leading up to and it seems like whether it's ant-man quantumania whether it's loki loki season two and it doesn't look like for whatever reason i just think like maybe they've overexposed the character of king and of course now the jonathan majors yeah. situation i think even if you recast the character, because it wouldn't be the first time. Like, of course, you yeah. know, they had Trent well, Howard I hate recast. I they do that because so. it, it it makes it harder to suspend that disbelief. You know what I mean? Watching the movie. But it, I, yeah. I have to agree with you that he has been so overexposed as Kang. It's like, oh, what are you, where do you go from here without it? You know? Yeah, that's true, because 
I mean, and, and especially if you look at season two of Loki, mm-hmm. at the end of that season, they basically tasked <laughs> the whole um, what is it, the Time Variance Authority, the TVA, to hunt all the variants of Kang. And mm-hmm. they even apparently by the end of the sh- end of the show, they've already kind of gotten a couple. Not to mention Kong the sorry Kang the Conqueror that Ant Man punched out at the end of Quantumania. Who, mm-hmm. I mean, Kang the Conqueror is one of the, the more fierce variants. So even though we saw a whole football fields worth of Kangs and literally in that movie, which was not maybe not the best decision in hindsight, I have a feeling, like I personally think, I mean, I think they can go a couple of different ways here. A, they can just mm-hmm. say we're done with Kang, kind of wrapped it up in season two of Loki. We already know that Destin Daniel Cren, who was going to direct Kang Dynasty, dropped out as a director recently. And they brought in, I think, the writer of of um, Loki season two, in to write that movie. The writer of Kang Dynasty, the original writer who also wrote Quantumania, left the project. So they've been rejigging the creative team behind the scenes on these Avengers mm-hmm. movies, and now it looks like the two Avengers movies are going to be more of a part one and two, rather than Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, which are two very different stories, with some overlap but largely, you know, not that connected. Whereas I think now their direction is, they might be, I think there's enough hints there that Kevin Feige is changing track. Yeah. And whether that means Kang is going to still be a part of the picture somehow or completely replaced, we don't know. The one, the one thing that I was watching this other YouTube channel talk about this earlier, and he made a pretty good point that I didn't think about before. So in the MCU, they've already sort of shown that the different Spider-Men are different people. We have mm-hmm. seen that like there's different Lokis look very different. Like literally, they might be a completely different species if you go by the first season of Loki. Not to mention, of course, Sylvie and Loki, you know, very two very different people, but they're both Lokis. So they could easily say that they recast the character and moving forward, every variant to come across is played by a different actor. Yeah, interesting. You know, and then, so you mentioned that it kind of like, that whole thing about Trans Howard, then Don Cheadle, and you're like, it's the same character, but what, but how? But in this case, they sort of got a built-in in-universe explanation for that. They can make it work somehow. I think if if they go in that direction, fair enough. I know there was an article earlier in the week anticipating this this trial ending, where insiders in Hollywood were speculating that Disney would they would basically just recast and move on, keep going. They they weren't gonna like write the character off like what they did with T'Challa when Chadwick Boseman passed away. So. If that is the direction they go in, I still think they're probably rejigging the two Avengers movies so they're not so Kang focused. And even if Kang is still part of the picture, they're def I mean, obviously won't be Jonathan Majors anymore. So it has to be somebody else. Who that is, we will find out. Um, do you like just off the cuff, do you have anybody in mind you think should be potentially cast in that role? If there were to recast Kang, do you have any fan castings? Michael B. Jordan? I'm kidding. <laughs> he's not well, I think he's, well, technically he is dead in the main oh, that's true. universe. Facts. So he could be like a variant, like a in a variant different universe. Of Michael be... B. Jordan. Can you, yeah, no, can you imagine? No, I, I honestly have no fan cast. I just threw him out for funsies. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I, I, even Jonathan Majors, like I feel like he kind of came out of the woodwork he was sort of a not an overnight star but yeah he was very quickly and then yeah 
but it would be, but you're right. Like he, he, it was a meteoric rise. It yeah. wasn't like he has been like an A-list star for five, 10 for years. a long time. Now it's he very much. Yeah. Him out. And, and I, I don't think in hindsight, I don't think Kevin Feige would look back at that decision and say like they made the wrong decision. Cause in the moment, yeah. like they went with probably like, I mean, and he's still, look, I, I can personally separate the art from the artist in the sense that the stuff that he's done before he's a good actor like when he mm -hmm. like obvi obviously he's got talent like uh, who he is as a person it's a whole different story but i, I think Mar marvel at this point like they just gotta make the like you know when life gives yeah. you lemons you gotta make lemonade and that's where we are at with this um i personally think they're gonna probably write off or minimize the role that kang has in this universe moving forward and they're gonna pull a they're gonna pull an amber heard mara <laughs> maybe maybe that's a, that's a good hint for what we're going to be talking about soon and regardless of which direction to go in whether they write him off completely or they minimize his role and of course recast the, the character guys let us know in the comments where do you think or where would you want disney and marvel to, to now take the kang character now that jonathan majors is confirmed to be no longer kang who would you rather have play the role of Kang because of course if he still is the big bad of this phase four through six then you know that's pretty significant character so let us know in the comments what you think about uh you know the future of Kang in the MCU um and, and of course uh come back here if we do updates on Marvel each and every week and we talk about the latest in the, the world of the MCU so keep checking back here for more of that and like and subscribe for more content like this Aquaman 2 is a movie that has been in development basically from the moment that the first Aquaman hit theaters. Because I remember to this day that I think the first Aquaman movie, when it came out in almost literally five years to the day in 2018 from when the sequel was set to come out, it, it got off to a good start. It made like 68 million roughly domestic box office on its opening weekend. And, and then from there, it had a pretty good platform to go on and make plenty of money because in Christmas time, not a lot of movies are coming out. You've got weeks and weeks to make your money. And, and it did. It went on to make a billion dollars. And literally a few weeks into his run, they were like, we're going to make a second one. And they, they, you know, they greenlit it. So since then, we have had multiple delays, multiple rounds of reshoots. If you go by the reports that have come out in recent months, we have, of course, had the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial and then all the, you know, the fallout from that affecting the movie. Um, and of course, you know, the DCEU, which used to be a living universe is now basically dead so so from the time that this aquaman 2 movie got greenlit to the time that it's coming out it's basically now the last movie the closing chapter in the world of the dceu this this universe that never quite fired on all cylinders and ultimately james gunn came in and they were like we're going to start new with a new dcu so Angelina, you recently watched the trailers for these. There's two trailers out, I believe. And so you you checked them out. And then you also have seen some of the, the news stories, I'm sure, about like stuff like Hammer Heard, what's going on with the DCEU. We talk about it, you know, each and every week here, what's going on with the future of the DCU. And then, of course, where Jason Momoa falls into all of that. So keeping all of that into account, what do you think about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom? What are you looking forward to it? Do you think this movie is going to do anywhere close to the kind of business that the first movie did? And what did you think about the trailers? Like, what what did they tell you about the film so far? Oh, you're on mute. So, uh, you know, there's a brief hesitation answering all of these questions, right? I, I 
saw the trailers and I'm now super excited to see Aquaman 2 in a way that I haven't been. But part of me is more and most intrigued because it seems like Amber Heard has been entirely cut out of the movie. And so now part of me is like, ooh, the tea. So now there's an even extra reason to go see this movie of like, so how are they going to finesse this? Because there's a baby. She has to be the mother. Like, where art thou, Amber Heard? Um, And so... But with that being said, too, the trailers are just overall really good. Uh, Jason Momoa always gives like a really good time in theaters. He has sort of like a cult following in the female, <laughs> in the female sector. We've got like people who want the tea as far as Amber Heard goes. We have the comic book lovers. I feel like this movie has like a little bit of something for everyone. And I think that going into holidays is a huge draw. It also being released again a week before Christmas, just like Wonka leaves sort of this runway as so many people have more time off. So many more people go to the movie theater. And, you know, I don't think it's going to hit that amount of money because I don't think the box office has fully recovered since COVID. I mean, not since COVID, but yeah honestly since well COVID, COVID and everything COVID. else that has happened since I think yeah just, I was like, it just seems like we're still in a bit of a rut it like, feels not like the first accurate. Aquaman came out like eight years ago it feels right? it oh feels God. like it came out so long ago um but also that's even another reason more reason to sort of I'm ready for it right like it's been a long time I'm ready for it do I think I've forgotten parts of Aquaman I might need to rewatch the movie because it's been that long yeah, but I was genuinely really excited and I do feel like I've been a little, I don't know, I guess I haven't gotten super excited from watching a movie trailer in a long time. So this was like a fun little recap. I'm ready to go. So I do, I do think it's going to do really well. Do I think it's going to do as well as the original Aquaman? No, because I feel like the comparison, the times, everything is just a little bit different now yeah i think you're right the box office i just don't think has quite that potential today mm-hmm. that it did in 2018 having said that i do believe if it kicks off with like 50 to 60 million in its domestic box office debut which is what it's currently being you know projected and tracked to do it's very similar to the 68 million it did in 2018 so if the word of mouth is good if people like it as much as they like the first one then it will have, like you said, the runway to make the money. So while it may not make a billion dollars, which let's be honest, in 2018, I don't think any, but not even the most optimistic people over at DC were thinking, and Warner Brothers were thinking this movie was going to make a billion dollars. This Aquaman movie, of all the DC things they had tried up, the Batman movie, Superman movie didn't make a billion dollars, but Aquaman made it. You know, like it wasn't. Well, you also have to think about like Game of Thrones ended and we had been wanting to see Jason Momoa for so long since his character died. So it was just a different time in 2018. You know what I mean? And I think Jason Momoa also draws a bigger crowd than most comic book movies do. He does have star power that I think is hard to find today in a lot of, like you know, like, like, yeah, there's not many stars and Hollywood true stars in Hollywood these days that you can count maybe on one hand like Jason Momoa definitely fits the mold the other thing that I think you you brought up which I think is important is 
this movie just going off the trailers appeals to like it's like everybody like a four quadrant film mm -hmm. and it's a very good point to make that the first Aquaman movie visually had very little consistency with the rest of the DCEU at the time because like they introduced Aquaman in the Zack Snyder directed Batman v Superman and like this little quick sequence on a laptop that Wonder Woman's watching and then later in Justice League we get a more fuller representation but it's it's a very hardcore very Zack Snyder-ish you know production design whereas you go and to watch Aquaman and bright colors extremely dynamic camera motions some of the camera work I think the cinematography the stunt work the wildly creative imaginative colorful worlds that James Wan created the world of Aquaman did not feel like it was part of the same universe that, you know, the Justice League was part of. But I think it played out in its favor because you got this movie that just felt like you can go in and watch it and you didn't need to watch a ton of stuff before to know what's going on. And it just felt like a refreshingly different kind of a take on DC character. So seeing the trailers for this movie, it feels like they kind of are adapting a lot of the same visual style and language and you're seeing a lot, you know, a continuation, a lot of the stories that they invested in the first movie, mm -hmm. whether it's the whole brothers getting back together, you know, and then, of course, the family being reunited. And it seems like Aquaman's, uh, Arthur Curry's dad might, might not make it if you go by the trailers, which is a little unfortunate because, you know, I love Boba Fett. Um, not that he's playing Boba Fett in this universe, but, you know, the actor. Uh, Tamara, Tamara Morrison is, is always fun to have on screen. So, you know, and of course... And Nick Nicole Kidman is his mom. Like, of course, like you know, yeah, I'm gonna go watch this yeah. in the AMC movie theater. I'm gonna see her. Yeah, and then you've got Alexander Skarsgård. Like, it's a big movie. We've so, got some big yeah. star power in this movie, and overall, I just think there's not a reason to not go see it, right? No, there. I don't. Well, the thing is, if you are a fan of the DC EU, if you're a fan of DC movies in general, this is gonna be your last DC movie until Joker Folly Ado comes out, and that doesn't come out for like almost a year from when this movie is mm -hmm. coming out. And then this is very much the, the literal last movie in the DCEU. If you want to have that last hurrah of like the world that this that DC has been a part of the last 10 or so years, this is your opportunity to go check it out. And if you don't care about any of that, if you just liked him in Fast X, if you just liked him in Game of Thrones, if you just liked watching the first Aquaman movie, here's more of that. You know, like, what is cooler than, like, a bunch of Lanteans underwater riding sharks to go fight a bunch of, like, giant crabs? I'm like, that was kind of part of the appeal of the first movie. You just saw these crazy, insane things happening. Then all of a sudden they go in the trench and it becomes a little horror movie. And then it becomes, like, a superhero movie again at the end. So you got, like, a little bit of everything. And it's, and it's rare these days in the world of comic book movies where a comic book movie is trying to adapt to a different genre like a western or a crime thriller that you get the kind of movie that these aquaman movies seem like they are like these just mm -hmm. action adventure romps that, that just go all over literally all over the world and you know it seems like they all they, they, there's no expense spared you know so I, i'm looking forward to it i think there's there's hopefully gonna be you know a good audience and critics reaction and and a reception to this film because that is going to go a long way towards you know, giving it the box office um, potential that it needs to have to, I mean, I'm not saying it needs to make a billion dollars. It doesn't, it clearly doesn't. It doesn't, I don't even think it's going to change their mind about 
continuing on with Jason Momoa playing the character. Yeah. But just seeing the DCEU struggle so much, I love this franchise, despite the fact that a lot of people seemingly don't. I would like to personally just see it go out with a bang, you know, like go out fighting, go out with a movie that makes at least $500 million. Like I think, I'm not saying that number needs to be exact. Even if it gets close, I'll take it. And Jason Momoa said in a recent interview, like talking about this movie that while the chances are not looking too good about him returning as Aquaman, that to put it simply, you know, playing the role of Aquaman just makes his heart smile. And I'm like, you know, like, if, if it makes your heart smile, man, then I'm going to go watch this movie and I hope it makes my heart smile. So that's, that's the, to me, like I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the Aquaman movie. And I know you are because I haven't seen you this excited about a movie. Watch, I had just watched a trailer and we do this like, I, yeah, week, I was like, uh, I was messaging him <laughs> behind the scenes. I was like, wait, I have so many questions. It's good. So it's, it's, it's exciting to see that, you know, we're finally here it seems like this movie has it, it's gotten delayed like three times already so that's the other side of it i'm like i'm, I'm just glad it's finally here mm -hmm. so guys let us know in the comments what you think about this are you excited to go watch aquaman in a movie theater it's, it's gonna be the last movie in the dceu aquaman in the lost kingdom yaya abdul mateen oh, yeah. playing black manta he's gonna be the big villain this time he's not just a secondary villain we, we're of course getting patrick wilson back um you know people love to see him <laughs> and what? and of course you know, we're not going to get another DC. Like, next year, literally, there's only, like, two superhero movies coming out from, like, Marvel and DC. There's Joker Folly Duh, and then there's um, Deadpool 3. And I think Sony's got two, like, Madam Web and Craven the Hunter coming out. But I, I think a lot of people are not looking forward to those because unlike the trailer for Aquaman, a lot of people are not excited about those movies watching those trailers. So, guys, let us know in the comments. Are you going to go watch Aquaman? And if you have watched Aquaman by the time you watch this. Tell us what you thought about it. Let us know in the comments your review of the movie. Was this the right way to end the DCEU? Did they go out on a high note? And of course, um, are you going to be watching it again and again? Because I really do hope you know that you do go watch it multiple times with your family, your friends, bring them along for the ride. And then hopefully that will help the box office of this. And maybe we'll get to see Jason Momoa continue playing Aquaman in the new DCU. And of course, with that, I think that brings the show to an end. I think that's it. We, okay, you know, we yeah. talked all about DC and Marvel today. There was a little bit of Wonka sprinkled by the beginning. Um, Angelina, thanks for joining me on the show. Of course, um, thanks for having me. Hopefully, you guys go out there and watch another fantastic movie this week. Maybe it's going to be Aquaman. Maybe it's going to be Wonka. Maybe it's Migration. Who knows? Um, check out the movie that you want to see the most. And then, of course, come back here and tell us all about it. And we'll be here to discuss all of that with you and so much more next week on the show here at Those Are Curious. Bye, guys.